Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week five in the Sun Belt. It's officially arrived. Last weekend, the Sun Belt picked up their fourth Power Five win of the season when Marshall downed Virginia Tech. Plus, the league as a whole went seven and two in non conference games. Week five promises to bring more excitement, and we can't wait to talk about it. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode. We continued our Sunbelt Athlete interview series by providing an under-the-helmet look at three-time All-Sunbelt honoree Troy Trojans bandit Richard Juvenor. If you missed it or any of our previous conversations with Sunbelt student-athletes, you're going to want to go back and give them a listen. Today on episode 122 of the show, it's time for our Week 5 preview presented by Lafayette Travel. We can't wait to preview our Game of the Week featuring James Madison and South Alabama will break down the clash between Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina, talk about Georgia State's chances of remaining undefeated against Troy, discuss Louisiana's chances to make it five straight weeks with a Power 5 win for the Sun Belt, and finally dive into Marshall's potential trap game against Old Dominion. Plus, Caden and I will make our picks for the remaining matchups this weekend. Caden, we've had a Power 5 win in every week so far this season. The league has another opportunity this week against Minnesota. Plus, it's the official start of conference play. On a scale of 1 to 10, Caden, what's your excitement level as Week 5 gets ready to commence? No, I'd have to give it a solid 15 right now. As much as I love watching the Sun Belt take care of business and do their thing against non-conference opponents, Power 5 opponents, line them up against anyone, the Sun Belt's going to do its thing. There is nothing quite like watching Sun Belt teams line up from across the from each other. I think this league right now, both sides, the East and the West, are as deep as ever, and I just can't wait to finally watch them get their hands on each other. There's a lot of cross-conference matchups as far as division, so high stakes, but not as high of a stakes as we, until, we, until we really get into those battles within the East and the West, but just really excited to finally watch these teams we've been talking about and analyzing against other competition finally square off against each other. Well, Caden, with the start of conference play, one thing we have started doing as a podcast this year is every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., we've been dropping our power rankings of teams in the conference, and it's created a lot of great discussion on Twitter. We have fan bases that agree with us, others talking about you, Georgia Southern, that don't. Uh, But Caden, it's been a fun exercise to kind of watch some of these teams as we've gone throughout the year, but it is a bit futile here before conference play begins. I want to talk just quickly about some of our biggest movers this past week. Marshall jumps up to number two behind James Madison. Maybe there's an argument to be made there that Marshall could have been ahead of James Madison. Georgia State jumps five spots after they remained undefeated. That went over Coastal Carolina, and we saw Coastal Carolina take a big drop off. Caden, this has been a fun exercise. What were some of your thoughts as as we tried to put this together ahead of week five? Yeah, I just want the people to know that me and Noah go back and forth about these a lot. And we really definitely have some disagreements, some agreements about the spot. So it's definitely a fluid list with a lot of differing opinions that we'll definitely get more of an opinion about once we watch some of these teams play each other. But for me, it's really about this movement of Georgia State was huge. Obviously, watching them go into Coastal Carolina, a team that was in the conference championship last year and perform the way, the way they did was huge. And then just staying at the top. Some people were knocking the order or the list of the top three teams where we have James Madison, Marshall, and Georgia State. But going undefeated is not easy. You kind of have to put a premium on that. And I think given the way all those teams have played both offensively and defensively, you got to give them a mount. If anyone doesn't think James Madison or Marshall belongs at the top, watch these defenses play. That's all you have to do is watch them play. This Marshall team is holding teams to 15 points per game right now. James Madison has two guys with four sacks up front. Just nasty defenses that I think will translate very well. And I think Georgia State at the top now is well kind of right behind them on their heels has just shown 
great things as we talked about their improvement on both sides of the ball throughout the year. And I feel like they're really catching their rhythm and have a huge test this weekend that we'll talk about more with the team that's right below them in Troy. Yeah, and Caden, another team that has a big test this week, South Alabama, They we had them sitting at five, and that was one of the more controversial ones. I think Georgia Southern fans thought that their team should at least be in the top seven and that maybe South Alabama, after some of the struggles early on this year, would drop. I definitely think in our mind, South Alabama has been buoyed a little bit by the preseason hype and a, you know, a loss this week, you know, might set them back a little bit as we head into week six. Yeah, I definitely think between the five and the nine slot that we have where it's South Alabama and a lot of teams between them and Georgia Southern, it could be extremely fluid. I think when you look at South Alabama, obviously they have some pedigree coming off of the season they had last year and they still have one of the most talented rosters. I think it's just about them putting together with consistency. We've seen at their peaks, they have the chance to blow out big 12 competition in their valleys. We've seen them play very bad football, especially towards the end of games. And I feel like everywhere in between, we've seen good and bad from all those teams. We have Texas State at six, and I feel like they belong there just because out of all the teams in their range, they did beat their power five opponent and showed really high offensive prowess and really strong defensive play as well. But then after that, we've seen App State stub their toe. We've seen Coastal Carolina stub their toe. And I think Georgia Southern maybe stubbing their toe the biggest with that big turnover a game against Wisconsin is kind of what stood out to us and maybe why they're a little bit lower. But I could see Southern going up there against Coastal Carolina, App State, and Texas State and really having an argument there. So I feel like between six and nine, there's a lot of fluidity to work with. And Caden, I think just overall, when you look at the league this year, for me, one through maybe 10 right now, there feels like there's a lot of parity there as we get set for conference play that any one of those 10 teams, all the way starting with James Madison, maybe down to a Louisiana right now, have a true chance uh, to put themselves in a title discussion. Yeah, I think when you look at the Sunbelt standings right now, they kind of resemble some of the large, big picture college football standings. You're seeing a lot of people are putting a ton of faith in Georgia and Michigan and the entire country, just being two teams that showed us a lot last year and are continuing to show what they've done last year into this season. That's kind of how you look at the James Madison and Marshalls of this conference. But everybody else, you feel like can definitely beat each other. People making claims about Florida State, people making claims about Washington. You can do the same thing with the Georgia States, the Louisiana, who's a rising team right now. A ton of teams that we'll talk about in this episode. But I think the power rankings and the non-conference side of things that we've seen are definitely reflective of how strong this league is. And that just makes me even more excited to watch these teams play, shake out, and really make solid, concrete standings and decisions as far as where they're going to be as far as conference play goes and heading into the championship season. Okay, and one final quick thought. We caught a lot of flack about Old Dominion down at number 14. Was that fair in your mind after what was kind of an ugly win over this past weekend? We'll talk a little bit more about Old Dominion later, but I definitely think it's fair. And I think you could argue that the win that they had last weekend is the worst win in Sunbelt Conference history. So yes, I do think they believe they belong at the bottom this week. Well, as promised, we're going to be previewing the top matchups ahead of week five in the Sun Belt. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we're previewing the top matchups in the Sun Belt for week five. Caden, as we do every week, we will start with our game of the week. And this game of the week features James Madison versus South Alabama. It's going to be at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on ESPNU on Saturday. First meeting between these two programs, it's going to take place in front of a sold-out Bridgeport Stadium. That place is going to be rocking. We do see a clash of styles between these two teams in this matchup. Caden, JMU is going for another 4-0 start, uh, to, or, or a 5-0 start uh, for the second straight year. They have seven straight wins dating back to last year. Meanwhile, this South Alabama team, just 2-3 and three in their last five games, coming off of that bad loss to Central Michigan in Week 4. Caden, let's start by talking about the underdog in this matchup, according to Las Vegas, and that's South Alabama. 
They've been hurt by their defense this year, noticeable in that Central Michigan game last week. This was not supposed to be a weakness for this team, but right now they're 10th best in the Sun Belt in terms of passing defense. They have left a lot to be desired, honestly, to begin the year. Caden, you're looking for this team to find some more consistency defensively in this matchup, right? Most definitely. Really just both sides of the ball when you look at the South Alabama team this year. They've been really struggling defensively, especially you mentioned this secondary unit that I spoke so highly of in the offseason was talking about how many weapons they had, how dangerous they could be. They lose Keith Gallman, unfortunately, to another season-ending injury, which is really unfortunate. But I thought they were so deep and had depth and experience at that place to where pass defense would be the least of this team's issues. And I just feel like right now, We've seen championship-level material in film from this team, especially this defense, but we've also seen some film that maybe looks like this is one of the worst defenses in the conference. So I think what this defense did against Oklahoma State, facing facing a Power 5 personnel and athletes, three-quarters of a shutout performance, getting off the field in third down, elite run-stopping to go with that gap responsibility up front and tight coverage in the secondary, that was amazing. And then what we saw last week is what we saw shades against Tulane, missed cues on the back end that result in big plays, a mobile quarterback giving this defensive problems, not generating any turnovers last week. We've seen kind of feast or famine with this unit. And I think consistency is going to be their key, not only on both sides of the ball, but specifically on defense, just given their personnel. It's all about consistency with this group. I think every level of this defense has all conference talent and leaders. When you look at our rankings before the season, you're going to see South Alabama players from the secondary, from the linebacking core, from up front on that defensive line, all there, and they have the talent and personnel to do it. The question is, can they find that magic that they had against Oklahoma State and implement that against one of the teams that's the hottest in the conference and one of the best in the conference since they arrived, truly? And, Caden, you know, thinking back to your playing career, I mean, consistency was so key for some of those App State teams that you were on that just week in and week out, you guys found ways to win football games, and that's kind of the mark, you know, of a championship-caliber football team. Caden, when you look at JMU's offense, it's been pretty good this year. Very balanced when you look at the numbers. 170 yards per game on the ground, 239 yards per game through the air so far this year. Their 34 points per game is sixth best in the Sun Belt right now. One thing you could say, though, Caden, when you look at this James Madison team, we've seen a lot of drop-offs from them. You see them start strong, and particularly in that second half, maybe you've seen them play a bit safer uh, in those football games. Kane thought this was interesting. In the first half of football games this year, James Madison outscoring teams by 45 points. But in the second half, they've outscored opponents by just one point. If you're Mike Shanahan and Kurt Signetti, how do you go about getting a complete game from this offense against South Alabama? I think for them, it's about keeping their foot on the gas for the entirety of the game. I think looking before last week, you could really say this offense hasn't fully unlocked itself. But I think now they're at the stage and they're at the point where they got through some of their lumps and they've truly become a complete offense. Early in the season, it was about the quarterback situation. That's been solved now. They didn't look as explosive in the passing game early as well, which has recently changed with Reggie Brown improving his production, making some big plays last week for them and their big new chance for target Elijah Surratt finally coming through as well. And of course, that run game that we've talked about all season, that's been there for them. Kalen Black, Tyson Lawton have been there consistently for them all year. Even Latrell Palmer and Jordan McLeod himself have been playing well, getting involved in the run game too. We saw that on full display in the first half against Utah State. And I mean, that's the best this offense has looked all season by far. The points on every single drive in the first half, they only when they didn't have points ended in a turnover. They had 38 first half points. They were getting it done through the air, through the ground. They had methodical 9-10 play scoring drives. And then they had those quick hitting takes three plays to score for us drives. It was just a very masterful performance in that first half. And obviously they left their foot off the gas in the second half. I think this team let the other team creep into the game when it really mattered. And they kind of came through towards the end. But if they can show some of that first half 
energy, aggression, just offensive play calling mastery against a better defense this week. I think that'll go a long way for them, but I think it is going to take them having that consistency from the beginning to the end of this game, just given their opponent versus last week. Kenan, I feel like it's a similar story on the other side for South Alabama. You really, you know, you went into this year and you were expecting this offense to be better than it has been. Uh, They're currently 10th in total offense this year, 8th in scoring, 11th in passing yards per game, which, you know, particularly is concerning. This is a team that has dealt with some injuries, most notably Devin Voice and one of their premier wide receivers. But going up against this JMU passing defense, Caden, that's been the worst in the conference, 315 yards per game allowed so far this year. This feels like a real opportunity for South Alabama to get going offensively. Yeah, you definitely have to take a good look outside in this game at the receivers versus the defensive backs. That'll be playing. I think that'll be a huge key when you talk about this offense for South Alabama taking the field against this JMU defense. We're just going to assume that South Alabama is not going to be able to run the ball in this game because no one's been able to run the ball game against James Madison really since they joined the Samba. I remember when they were playing Troy, I said, if anyone could do it, it's Kamani Vidal. I was wrong in that one. I think LaDamian Webb is also built for it, but this defensive line is just looking absolutely nasty this year with Kamara and Chroma and Carpenter and Jalen Green, who's a guy we probably haven't even discussed enough on this show. That's another dog on that defensive line. So I think the pressure now kind of goes on Carter Bradley and these receivers going up against a secondary that hasn't played the strongest this year. I think when you look at their passing attack, Colin Lacey's looked amazing this year. He's due for a big time explosive play almost every single game. He always finds a way to get in the end zone. He's really assumed a wide receiver one role of this team, especially given that loss of Devin Voice. And I love what I've seen from Jamal Pritchett as well at the wide receiving core. He's really emerged and provided some good speed and reliability to this passing attack. But Carter Bradley needs help. Voice and Lacey are still the only ones in this receiving core that have caught touchdown passes this year. Javon Ivory needs to step up along with others. Even the tight ends and the running backs can play their part in the passing game. So I think Carter is going to need help in this game, just given the defensive front they're facing, and especially with if the rushing attack is a non-factor. So dudes not named Colin Lacey will need to get separation and make plays against this team. And we'll see as well well, if this James Madison secondary can maybe even take a step up and really complement that rushing attack while on the defensive side of the ball. Kaden, do you think South Alabama can win this football game without some semblance of a rushing attack? We've really seen it been feast or famine when they run the ball, you know, passably well in a football game, their offense seems to be good. Is, is that a big concern for you in this matchup? It's a huge concern, and I definitely think it's one you brought to my attention last year. I remember we talking harp on that Troy game last year where Damian Webb was looking like himself, and as a result, that offense was just super stagnant. You could almost feel the weight on Carter Bradley's shoulders. I think you see it every single time they can't run the ball. You feel like Carter's out there running for his life, trying to force things and make things happen, and that's where you see the interception. So I think that is a very much a key of this game, and that's really what makes JMU's defense so great. You, there's not many teams in the country where you can take their run game out of it and they can be just as effective. So that's a part of what Troy does. And we've seen in small doses how that affects South Alabama. So yes, I think it's a huge concern. And I think if they can prove they can do that and Carter Bradley can overcome some of those concerns in the run game, that'd be a ginormous step for this team as far as offensive consistency. But for now, it's definitely a huge concern and definitely one they'll have to address in this game. Well, Caden, let's jump into our picks on this matchup. JMU comes in a three-point favorite over under sitting at 50. I'm a friendly guy, so I'm going to let you make the first pick here. I think James Madison wins and covers in this one. Everyone knows my support for South Alabama and this team goes back over a year. And while they have been inconsistent this season, that's why I can't pick them because James Madison has just simply been the model of consistency for over an entire calendar year. They're 7-0 and in their last seven games. Their defense gives me nightmares and I don't even play offense or play football anymore. So give me James Madison to win this one and cover. And I'll take the points on this. I think if it's a little bit low, I'll take the over on the points just because there's so much offensive talent, I think, on both sides for these teams. 
Kanan, I'll be honest. The reason I asked you to go first is this is probably the first time in podcast history I did not have a prediction written down for this one. I wanted to hear the the thoughts on this matchup and talk about the predictions uh, before I made my pick. For me, having talked about this matchup, Caden, I've got JMU winning this football game, and I think they'll cover. I think that this is at least a touchdown win for uh, the Dukes in this game. You mentioned the inconsistency for South Alabama. They're just so hard to read right now. Do they have the talent to win this football game? Absolutely. We saw that just two weeks ago against Oklahoma State. But I think that James Madison, you know, run-stopping ability is going to play really big in this one. South Alabama has not proven the ability to win games uh, when LaDamian Webb doesn't get going, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to in this one. Over-under sitting at 50, I think that these two teams can put up enough points to get close to that, but I am going to take the under in this matchup. So give me James Madison to win, taking the under on the 50. Okay, then let's move on to our next matchup. And honestly, if James Madison, South Alabama was our game of the week, this matchup between Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina was a close 1B. This game will be at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN Network. Uh, Caden, this is a rematch of the Myrtle Hurdle game from last year where Coastal Carolina won on that incredible play. Uh, Coastal Carolina won that game 34-30 to in Conway. The Shots have won the last three in this series, but Georgia Southern is 2-1 and one all-time at Paulson. And Caden, you've talked about the home field advantage. I've been texting with some people in Georgia Southern's administration. They're expecting a sellout. There's less than 1,000 tickets available for this one. And I think that could play a big factor. Caden, Coastal's offense looked lost last weekend. They scored 17 points versus Georgia State, and only 10 of those points on that game were offensive points. Georgia State really pressured the quarterback, and I have to imagine we're expecting Georgia Southern to try to do the same thing after seeing what Georgia State did. When you look at this Coastal offense, Caden, we've seen a strong passing game, but virtually no rushing attack this year. Do you think they can get this offense going in this game? I think they can do that. And I think they can rely on their talent on offense and a great game plan to get this offensive attack going. We all saw on live television Thursday night that this offense struggled. There was constant pressure on Grayson McCall. He was rarely comfortable and that rushing attack was absolutely stifled until the second half when they got things going. And the weapons on the outside we speak so highly of as well were just quite frankly getting strapped up on the outside. They could not create any separation. So I think the major question is, can this offensive line step up and better protect Grayson? And if so, I think he can be able to cook a little bit and we'll see more of those old Grayson McCall kind of type plays versus what we saw last week. And I think as well in the running game, we saw them create some good lanes in the second half. I really liked what I saw from the rushing attack and all of their three-headed monster running back core that they had and they were putting on display against Georgia State. Just got to get that going early. At the same time, I think this unit got outplayed and outcoached last week. This Georgia Southern, whose defense has improved a ton and we know it's not no prom queen. Not, we know they're not the first pick, but can they maybe implement some of what we saw from Georgia State last week? And this game, I think, is a huge question because if that pressure is the kind of the blueprint and kind of unlocks how to get to this Coastal Carolina offense, we'll definitely see other teams take a page out of that book and try to implement it against this offensive tack. I think Georgia State from or Georgia Southern rather rather from their perspective, I don't think they quite have the personnel on the back end, especially that we saw Georgia State have to be able to play some of that one on one coverage. This team only has they, has, they have no players with more than one sack this season. So I think they kind of struggle to get pressure as well. But they are elite at stop. They have gotten a lot better at stopping the run. They're coming off their best performance last week, holding Ball State to just 37 yards. And they're getting off the field. They got off the field on third down as well in that game going three for 15. So I think that'll be crucial in this one. And I think it'll be interesting to see how many of those games can Georgia Southern play? Do they decide to blitz sometimes? So they kind of leave their guys on an island and kind of high risk, high reward as far as being able to get to Grayson McCall and kind of disrupt some of that offense, kind of how we saw last Thursday. 
Cannon, I think the point you're trying to make is if you invited a girl to prom, she said no, Georgia Southern's defense would at least be in the conversation, but maybe be four or five girls down, uh, you know, if you were inviting them to the prom. Caden, that's a different story for Georgia State's offense, or, or rather Georgia Southern's offense um, in this matchup. Once again, they are amongst the Sun Belt's elite units. 341 yards per game leads the Sun Belt. Uh, Coastal's actually second at 282, so you could just see the difference there. They trail only Texas State in total yards. Uh, they have 480 yards per game. One of seven, you know, who are scoring more than 30 points a game in this league. Caden, statistically, Coastal has been pretty great overall or has not been great overall on defense. Top five, though, against the pass. Can Coastal's defense slow down this high-octane Georgia Southern offense? They can create some turnovers. They definitely can because that was the only way Wisconsin was able to somewhat slow down this team. I think we know what this offense is going to bring in this matchup. They have the most passing yards per game in the conference. They're putting up 34 points per game. And they took a step back against Wisconsin, but really took a step forward last week when you saw them kind of build up that confidence and play a great offensive game against Ball State, putting a 40-burger up on them and not turning the ball over. I think the no turnovers was such a key after having six against Wisconsin. So I think Davis Brin is going to have his confidence at home in this game. And I think Georgia Southern at home with this offense being confident is going to be scary for any defense, not just Coastals, who had some problems historically in the last couple games and last year on the defense side of the ball. I think the key for them is going to be having to generate turnovers and making forcing Brennan into some errors and making him uncomfortable. I think that can take this team a long way. And we also saw how impactful that was in the Wisconsin game. On the flip side, we saw how impactful it was for Coastal Carolina when they were playing UCLA and they got those three interceptions and how big that was for momentum and keeping them in that game. And I think, of course, when you look at this game for Coastal Carolina's defense, it's going to be about field goals over touchdown. They'll be able to move the ball. They'll be able to move the chains. That's what this offense does. The question can, is going to be, can you get off the field on third down? And can you get this kicker more active and more scoring than this um, quarterback in Davis Brin that you have on the other side? So I think they're going to be able to try to keep it as close as they can, limiting the points and limiting those explosive plays. Can they do it? A lot easier said than done. I think a better question is going to be, can their offense keep up with the pace that this Georgia Southern offense is going to be able to probably dictate in this game, just given the offensive and defensive matchups in this specific area? Georgia Southern, six and a half point favorite in this game, over under sitting at 63 and a half. Caden, I'll go first here. For me, honestly, right now, I'm down on Coastal Carolina. I had them winning the East in the preseason, but the offense has not looked great. Grayson McCall has not looked as in control as we've seen. So I'm taking Georgia Southern in this game. Look for Georgia Southern to establish that run game a bit more in this contest. They're going to pass it well on their way to a win by at least a touchdown. I think both teams score points in this one, but we are going to hit the under with 63 and a half. I can see the headlines now, Noah. Noah Freire abandons Coastal Carolina preseason East champion. But no, I think you're right in this one. I think Georgia Southern wins, but they do not cover at home. This Coastal defense hasn't proven enough to me yet that they've improved since last season. And I think when you just look at how both sides of the ball are trending for this team, Southern's trending in the right direction, coming off of a great defensive game and offensive game. And Coastal's kind of trending in the opposite direction, just given the offseason narrative we had about this team. I think this Eagles team is going to be great at home this season in the conference. And I think it starts in this game. I think they take that leap that they couldn't last year where they're not quite finishing games and having that offensive execution really come through for them in the fourth quarter. This coastal defense got picked apart by Darren Granger last week. And I think there's a high chance that Davis Brink could do the same. So give me the Eagles to win the chance to cover in a close shootout where I'll take the over on the points. Hey there, Sunbelt fans. Are you ready to score big with an unforgettable getaway to the heart of Louisiana's Cajun and Creole country? Look no further than Lafayette, Louisiana, your ultimate destination for football, fun, and fantastic memories. 
Immerse yourself in Lafayette's vibrant culture. Savor the mouth-watering Cajun cuisine and cheer on your favorite Sunbelt team. Visit Lafayette, Louisiana, where every day is a touchdown celebration. Head to LafayetteTravel.com slash Smith to start planning your ultimate Sunbelt football getaway. Georgia State versus Troy Cade in our third matchup to talk about for the weekend. Uh, this game, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Georgia State, one of three undefeated teams off to their best 4-0 start in program history. They received their first ever vote in a national poll this week. Troy's coming off a big home win versus Western Kentucky, a game where they dominated WKU defensively. Troy 5-4 and all-time in this series, dating back to 2013. But, Caden, thought it was interesting. Georgia State's won the last three. And, Caden, in those last three matchups, Georgia State's put up 35 or more points in all three of those games, including 52 in their matchup in 2019. Caden, for me, the headliner is Georgia State's offense. Granger, Carroll, and Lewis versus Troy's defense, the number one defense in terms of total yards, top three in rushing yards allowed this season. Caden, it feels like the trenches are going to be crucial in this game. You look at this Georgia State team, they run for 191 yards per game this season. Troy giving up just 92 yards per game this year. Whoever wins the battle at the point of attack, Caden, it feels like they are very likely to win this football game. Yeah, this will be definitely a nasty one in the trenches and probably the offensive versus defensive matchup that I'm most excited about on the weekend. You have a Georgia State offense that's looked so dynamic and balanced against the East champions in their last game. And you have a Troy defense that's still elite and fresh off of defeating one of the nation's best offenses for the second straight year. So I think this is a star-studded matchup, a great matchup as far as one side of the ball versus the other. And I think we'll really be able to see how big Darren Granger's Superman's cape is. I think this guy has been showing signs of taking that leap from a good quarterback to a great one that could possibly elevate his team to wins. And he's getting his toughest test of the season by far going up against this defense. Thankfully, he has a ton of help. Marcus Carroll's been fantastic this season. The wide receiving core really picked it up, especially Robert Lewis and Talik Williams. I think this Troy defense is stout on the back end. We know that the Reddy Stewarts and the O'Shea Fletchers of the world will have a great matchup with those skilled players that I just mentioned. And they might even be unfazed just seeing that they came off of a game where they played Western Kentucky, a team that throws the ball a ton and has an overwhelming pool of receivers to throw at you. So I think that's kind of be neutralizing. It's going to be a good back and forth battle. And that's why I think the question in this game is up front. You can choose from all of your defensive linemen and linebackers that have been dominant for this Troy team, they have their full disposal of weapons up front. It's just an aggressive, nasty, smart veteran front going up against an offensive line that's played fantastic this year. Granger's only been sacked three times, and it looks like this rushing attack is continuing to maintain that standard that they have in the past. I think the question is going to be, can the TJ Jacksons, the Javon Solomons, the Richard Jubiners, can they make Darren Granger uncomfortable? We know his legs are going to be a factor and a huge one in this one. They're allowing just 92 yards per game on the ground this year. This team runs the ball well on the ground. I think that's kind of where the matchup is going to be given and taken. That's where the line of scrimmage is going to be a big part of it, converting on short downs, keeping the clock moving and gaining possession. I think this battle in the trench is going to be one I'm definitely watching, despite maybe some exciting skill players on the outside as well. Caden, I think going into this season, probably no one had this game being an elite matchup on their bingo card. But the reason it is, is just some of the weapons in this game. You look just on offense for Georgia State. You've got Granger, you've got Carroll, you've got Lewis, and a stable of talented wideouts. For Troy, you've got Gunnar Watson, who's having the best year of his career. You've got Vidal, you've got Chris Lewis, who keeps making these outstanding plays and more. Caden, if you want to see elite weapons, this is the game for you. 
Yeah, I think on the flip side, I'm obviously excited about Troy's defense versus Georgia State offense, just given the recent history. But the fact that Georgia State's defense now is kind of turning into some of the hype that we thought they'd be. And this Troy offense is also turning over a new leaf and showing new signs of life that we didn't see last season makes that also an exciting matchup to watch. We've talked about it on this podcast regularly. Gunnar Watson has looked great this year. He's third in the conference in yards right now. He's tied for second in touchdowns. Life is good under center in Troy. It's better than it's been in a while. And you love to see it for Gunnar. And a big part of that has been his chemistry with his wide receivers, which has been headlined by Chris Lewis, rightfully. He's fighting for the most athletic player in the conference right now, which is his physical presence and dominance he's brought to the field this year at the wide receiver position. But you have to give a shout out and don't get it twisted that these core of receivers are very much elite. Devontae Ross, Jabray Barber, Deshaun Stoudemire, all these guys have over 10 catches over 100 yards, and two of them have three to two touchdown catches this season. Just an amazing unit, I think, that top to bottom is competing with the App State and some of the other units as far as top to bottom great receiving cores in the league. And then you talk about Georgia State on the flip side, Rykeese Brown, Tyge Leach, Gavin Priggle, all those guys in the secondary played great last weekend against a wide receiving core that we definitely highly regard. They played great single covers. They played great zone coverage, very active hands as far as getting balls on crucial downs out of their out of the hands of receivers. So I think on the outside, going to be very exciting to watch how those weapons and how those one-on-one matchups between the receivers and the DBs play out. And I wouldn't be surprised as well. And I'm also curious to see if Georgia State maybe apply some pressure like we saw last week. If they can get to Grayson McCall, it might be worth trying it against every single quarterback in this league. Hey, no denying that this game has a lot of star power. Caden, Georgia State, one and a half point favorite over under at 50 and a half. How do you lean on this matchup? I took a long time thinking about this one, Noah. This is a really tough one for me, but I think Troy wins this one. I think both offenses and defenses are looking absolutely complete so far this season, I think. But from a mental and emotional side of things, the way Georgia State was able to impact Coastal Carolina, I don't think that's going to defend or phase the defending conference championships. Containing Granger is going to be a key in this one, but I think Troy has the guys to do it. I think they have the physical and mental makeup to stand toe-to-toe with this team that looked very fiery and very aggressive on Thursday night. So give me Troy to win it. I do think they cover just because they're not favored in this one. And give me the over on the points. I like a lot of the weapons that we've mentioned on both sides of the ball for this team. Well, Caden, when you zig, I zag. And, you know, I want you to think about this exact question. Name a good defense that Georgia State has faced this year. Oh, wait, you can't. Troy's defense, they're the real deal. Their offense has been better this year. For me, I've got the magic running out for Georgia State in this game. I've got Troy winning this contest. But I do agree with you, Caden. I think both teams are going to put up points. So I think we're hitting the over on this matchup. Caden, moving on, Louisiana at Minnesota, 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on the Big Ten Network. Fourth matchup between these two programs, but the first since 2003. Minnesota swept that series from 2001 to 2003. UL trying to make it five straight weeks with a Power 5 win for the Sun Belt. Meanwhile, Minnesota trying to rebound after an overtime loss to Northwestern. And, you know, one fun note, Louisiana trying to spoil Minnesota's homecoming in this game. Kanan, Zeon Christ is set to make his second straight start. He stepped in for Ben Wooldridge versus UAB, put up strong numbers in that in his first start last week, 76% completion rate, 249 yards through the air, a touchdown, did have a couple of interceptions, and oh wait, also ran for 70 yards and two touchdowns versus Buffalo. Kanan, he's inserted just a much-needed jolt of energy into this program, but this is going to be his first real test versus Minnesota. How do you think he handles it, and how much help does he need to get from UL's rushing attack in this game? 
He's going to need to handle it well, and I think he does get a lot of help from his rushing attack. This is his first true test, like you mentioned, and he's facing a defense that has that Big Ten personnel that you would imagine. They have a ton of size. They have a ton of strength. They have a ton of speed, and they're coming off of two straight losses where teams scored over 30 points on them. So I think this is a great opportunity for him and this offense. Do we want to see Zion run for 100 yards and throw for 300 yards? Of course, but I don't think that's realistic for a young quarterback making his kind of third big appearance on the road in Minneapolis. I think the key for Chris is going to be efficiency. I think he just needs to settle in and get comfortable early as a young quarterback and do all the right things. Of course, not turn the ball over. He has two interceptions to go with his two touchdown passes this season, but he has a very high completion percentage. He uses a variety of targets at his disposal. I think he has a ton of trust in those guys. So I expect him and I think he can perform well in the passing game. But like you mentioned, the key to the success is going to be truly in the run game. This team is very quiet. This team is very quietly led the conference in rushing. As a result, they were ranked second in points per game, only behind Texas State in the conference. 38 points per game for this UL team that's kind of gone under the radar. So I think that has a lot to do with their competition, but also just their rushing attack has been absolutely lethal. And I think if they can do just even 80% of what they've been doing all season, it will really help Chris be able to move the chains and have a solid day for this offense that I think they can definitely have as long as they play their cards right. Okay, and another unit that's kind of had a sneaky good start to the year is this Louisiana defense. Uh, when you look at the numbers, they're tied with James Madison right now for the most sacks in the league with 18. They've given up the fourth fewest total yards. They're sixth in rushing and passing yards allowed through four games. Add in the fact that they have four interceptions on defense. And Caden, it feels like this game might come down to how well this defense performs against Minnesota. Yeah, just thinking about our power rankings, this team has definitely been a little bit quiet just on both sides of the ball and kind of creeping up on those rankings and has done a lot of good things this year. And I think their defense has definitely highlighted some of that. You mentioned they only allow 337 yards per game. That's top five in the conference. Tied for that conference league with 18 sacks, as you mentioned, with Jordan Lawson having four this year already and Kendra Grant having three, one of the best duos, I think, as far as pass rushing goes in the conference, which is saying a ton when you look at this conference and the kind of guys they have at James Madison, at Marshall. Just a great defensive front performance that we've seen this year from this team that's really been carrying and anchoring this defense. And I think they have an opportunity to get after the quarterback in this Minnesota team. Minnesota's quarterback is no world beater, but this offense can put up points and it's largely due to their rushing attack. Darius Taylor right now, their running back, leads the Big Ten in rushing yards. So they're going to have to kind of present that as opposing and imposing threat to this team. I know they've been great at pass rushing, but can they stop the run at the line of scrimmage is going to be the biggest question. And I think how good they've been, they've given up more points than you want relative to how many, kind of how many yards they've given up. They're giving up 27 and a half a game right now. But I think as far as facing this Minnesota team with their defense, it's pretty simple as far as their game plan. They have to stop the run and they have to limit the explosive plays. This is a young defense that's shown growth throughout the year. But this is going to be their best, their biggest physical test, I think, of the year. Can they go fourth quarters in the box with this front? Can they, lim- can they limit those big plays and really limit that rushing attack and do their offense a favor as far as getting off of the field consistently and kind of being able to gain momentum at that line of scrimmage? Minnesota comes into this game, Caden, a double-digit favorite, 11-point favorite, over-under at 48-and-a-half. I'm going to go first here. And Caden, a uh, little history lesson. The Sun Belt, they've had four straight weeks with a Power 5 win and a couple more close calls. Uh, Zeon Chris makes this team a contender in any game, in my opinion. Uh, two good defenses in this matchup. I'm taking Louisiana to pull off the upset in this one, Caden. And if that happens, I think the over at 48 and a half is very much in reach. I do hope you're right, Noah. Do not get me wrong. I think you all has had a strong showing throughout this season against a little bit lesser of competition. I think they're going to have to take a big jump up as far as going up to the level of this competition. I cannot pick them to win this one as a result. I think P.J. Fleck is low-key in a must-win situation coming off of two straight losses, and I think 
they just have the size and mainly the experience, I think, is going to be the key as far as what Minnesota has over UL. So I think Minnesota wins in this and covers, but I'll take the under on the points. I think both defenses are going to be very solid and a crucial part of this game as far as stopping things, the line of scrimmage, keeping that clock moving when not a lot of points are going to be being scored. Caden, last matchup we will preview on this episode, Marshall versus Old Dominion, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Caden, Marshall leads the all-time series in this one, 7-1. to one. It began back in 2014. Old Dominion, they've never won in Huntington. This is the first trip out of the Commonwealth of Virginia for Old Dominion early on this season. ODU is the most sacked team in the conference, Caden. Marshall leads the nation in sacks. Certainly a matchup to keep an eye out in this one. Caden, Marshall, though, when you look at this football team, they've yet to score a single point in a first quarter of a game this season. Until last week, they had averaged just five points per game in first halves of games this year. Caden, they broke through with 17 points in that second quarter versus Virginia Tech, but they need to find some more consistency early in games as conference play begins, correct? Most definitely. This offense has the opposite problem that James Madison has, I think. If you made the first half teamness of James Madison and you paired that with the second half teamness of Marshall, you'd have one of the best offenses in the country. But we raved and raved about this offense as far as what they showed last week in the first half against Virginia Tech. They opened up the pass game. They fed Cade Conley the tight end and got him res- Got and got, got some of those other receiving targets really involved, which elevated the confidence of Cam Fancher. And we saw that increase the production of Rashina Ali, but then they looked more like themselves in that second half. We saw kind of what we saw from that offense through the first one through three weeks in the first half of games, in the second half of this one, the predictable run game. There were some questionable throws by Fancher, and they had issues moving those chains, which resulted in that defense kind of having to really go out and win this game for them. The question is, who will we see this week, especially to start off this game? Are we going to see this first half performance we saw last week against Virginia Tech? And if we do see that, can they build on that in the second half? This old ODU defense is no slouch. Do not get it twisted for anyone listening. They're right in the middle of the pack as far as yards allowed per game and points allowed per game sitting at eighth in the conference this year in a 14-team conference. And it would be a lot better if they got some help from their offense. I really want to see if this kind of offensive attack from Marshall that's been stagnant at times, do they decide to run the ball all day and night with Rasheen Ali up the middle? Because I think if they do, that will play right into the hand of Old Dominion. They're excellent at stopping the run this year. Jason Henderson, that crew, will be there and play five-on-five football in the box all day with you, and they could keep the game close as a result. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if Marshall decides to play it more aggressive in this game, kind of how they started the game last week, or do they kind of cook this offense low and slow like we've seen in the past and really don't mind if this game is close. Caden, on the other side, Old Dominion is kind of in the midst of an offensive identity crisis. They switched quarterbacks last week. Jack Shields taking over for Grant Wilson in that second quarter. Since halftime, Caden versus Wake Forest, they've scored just 17 combined points in six quarters of football, including 10 points versus a transitioning Texas A&M Commerce team from the Division II level. Caden, this is the nation's worst red zone offense for Old Dominion right now. They're really struggling to get the ball into the end zone. It's really contributed to their issues. How would you go about fixing this broken ODU offense right now? They have to find an identity and they have to find it fast. And that's going to be tough against a good defense here. But I think when you have a new offensive coordinator coming into the fold and he's presenting new concepts and new ideas, you just have to have some semblance of consistency. And I think Old Dominion's offense right now is just the biggest enigma in the conference. If you look at week one, they run for 200 yards against Virginia Tech. Pretty impressive given that Marshall just ran for 214 yards against them or last week in a very similar against the same exact team. 
Then the next week, they light it up on offense. They throw for 247 yards in the game, four touchdowns. Grant Wilson wins our offensive player of the week for the pod. He has a great game. Next week against Wake Forest, they absolutely disappeared. They threw the ball well, ran it terrible for the second straight week, only had one touchdown on an amazing Javon Harvey play. So it's like, okay, what is this team? And then last week, just when things couldn't get even worse, they have a 10-9 to win over Texas A&M Commerce, who just became D1 last season, who's 0-3, and you bench the quarterback that we just crowned the player of the week, and he only rushed for 15 yards in this game. So I think that was one of the most embarrassing wins you'll see in the conference, like I mentioned at the top of the show. And I think this team just truly needs to find an identity through this crisis. They have to stick with one quarterback. They have to stick to their guns in their system right now. And I think they've shown the ability to throw the ball effectively. They need to lean into that. They've shown the ball to r- ability to run the ball effectively. They just need to find some kind of semblance of balance. They need to find consistency at the quarterback play for sure. And they mainly have to help out this defense. They have a great defensive unit that many t- teams in the conference would really across the country would beg for as far as being able to keep you in games. And they were able to keep them in the game last week. But I think this week they have a much bigger task and I think as far as a week of practice goes in preparation for a team on offense that's looking a little bit stagnant got to get the ball to your best players in space got to have better consistent quarterback play and trust this new system you've put in to be able to score points for you so I think it's a tall task going against Marshall don't get me wrong but I think this offense just has to show some sign of life and some shine some sign of improvement and this week just given their terrible performance last week Caden Marshall, 14-point favorite in this one. Over-under sits at 46-and-a-half, and I'll go first here. Caden, for me, I look at this game, and it kind of feels like it has the makings of a trap game. It's easy to sleep on this Old Dominion offense, but when I look at Coach Huff, he brings that Alabama mentality, and I think he's going to have his players ready for this game. I think the herd offense gets off to a good start. They're going to win by two touchdowns, but that doesn't allow them to cover in this game, so give me Old Dominion to cover against Marshall Caden. I think combined, these two teams are going to hit the over in this matchup. Yeah, I'm picking up a lot of what you're putting down, Noah. Give me Marshall to win, but I do think Old Dominion covers as well in this one. I believe their defense can do a good job of neutralizing this rushing attack for enough of this game to really keep it close. And I think if Old Dominion can show an eighth of the consistency they showed last week, they're not going to win. They're not going to win by any means, but I think that would definitely help them stay in this game on the road. The points are a little too low for my flavor, so I'll take the over as well in this one. But I think Marshall... In conference play, I think they're not going to really be trying to push the envelope as far as caring about how they win games, how they go about their business. I could see them definitely being in a close one in this one, not minding it at all and just grinding it out. Caden, we've got a couple more picks to make uh, for this week. Arkansas State at UMass at 3.30 p.m. Eastern UMass, one-point favorite over under at 55. How you lean on this one? I'm going with the freshman Jalen Rayner to lead Arkansas to a win in this one. So obviously cover the spread and do their end of the bargain. I'm going to take the over on the points. Was really impressed from the performance we saw from Arkansas State last week. And they're playing a UMass team that's coming off of four straight losses. So I think they can maybe generate some new momentum in Jonesboro with a new quarterback that's electrifying. But they are playing a UMass team that can score quite a bit. So I think the over on the points is going to hit. But give me this new quarterback kind of giving this team some new life and hopefully something they can lean on going into more conference play this year. Okay, now I agree with you. I think we're on the same page here. Jalen Rayner looked like a difference maker last weekend. They finally showed some life offensively, did the Red Wolves. Give me Arkansas State to win this game. Arkansas State, Caden, they put up 44 last week. UMass scores about 26 points per game on the season. You combine those, I'm feeling emboldened. I'm taking the over in this matchup at 55. Southern Miss, Texas State at 7 p.m. Eastern. Caden, Texas State, five and a half point favorite over under sitting at 62 and a half. And Caden, I don't have much confidence in this USM offense right now. They are getting some pieces back on both offense and defense this week. But, Caden, I feel like this defense would need to have a massive game in order to win this game over Texas State, and I'm not expecting it. I think Texas State wins this one going away. 
I've got them winning by two touchdowns. Uh, USM does enough, though, to keep this game at the under at 62 and a half. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think this USM defense last week was caught off guard with a new quarterback presenting new things to them they haven't seen before. So I think they can show improvement, but you can only show so much improvement against this offensive attack that's leading in points per game right now. And I think their struggles on offense more so are the reason why I think Texas State is going to win this one in a shootout. I'll take the over in the points. I think they'll be able to hold up their end of the bargain. They have some injuries as well at Texas State on the defensive side of the ball, specifically losing Torrey Spears is big. So I think the Southern Miss offense is going to be able to put up some more points like last week, but I ultimately think they just cannot score and keep up with this Texas State team. So give me Texas State to win, to cover, and I'll take the over on the points. ULM versus App State at 8 p.m. Eastern. App a 13 and a half point favorite over under sitting at 50 and a half. Caden, is App winning their first road game since week two last year? <laughs> this, because of what you just said, this is a must win game for App State. I think when you look at their road record, if they want to be the championship team they want to be, they're going to have to win this game and prove to themselves that they can even beat a team like ULM on the road. We thought maybe they'd be able to do some impressive things on the road throughout this entire year, but they haven't done anything since that Texas A&M game. So I think this being a must win game for App State, and I think because their emphasis on not scoring last week was such a big deal, they'll put even more of a premium on scoring and getting the end zone this week. So for those reasons, I think they win and cover in this one, but I'll take the under on the points. I expect this team, hopefully in conference play, to come out super invigorated on both sides of the ball. The defense looked great against Wyoming last year, so I think they'll be able to hold up their end of the points bargain in this one, but maybe ULM has some of those same offensive struggles we've seen them have this year. Ken, ULM has proven to be a tough place to play for opponents. Louisiana got tripped up there last year. So did Texas State. App has lost six straight road games, but that changes this weekend. App has a dominant offensive attack. I've got them covering the spread and hitting the over against ULM in this one. Well, that's going to do it for our Week 5 preview presented by Lafayette Travel. Kate and I are looking forward to another exciting weekend of Sunbelt football. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be releasing our Week 5 recap. We'll recap all the weekend's biggest games and keep you up to date on all the key storylines around the Sun Belt. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Give us five stars. Let us know what we could be doing better or what you're enjoying about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.